Hey, what up, y'all? It's your girl, Vivica Fox. And welcome to my podcast, Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. Ooh, I got a very handsome triple threat for y'all today. My guest stars on the ABC hit series, The Rookie. If you've yet to see him in action as Officer Jackson West, you may remember him dancing and singing his way into your heart on Glee. I told y'all, he's a triple threat and a rising star. Give it up for actor, singer, and songwriter, Titus Macon. Woo! <laughs> How's it going, big man? Uh, it's good, it's good, it's good. How you doing through all of this corona, corona, my brother? It's sad to see, like, the sad things, like the deaths and all those things that they remind us of regularly, but realistically, this is my kind of my off season. We're in between seasons right now, so I would be home away from people anyway. Oh, okay. So I love that you're looking at the positive side, because I'm not going to lie to you. When it first started going down, I had a whole bunch of stuff that was going on. I was like, oh, dang it. This is just messing up my schedule, but okay. But it did make me take a moment to breathe because, you Mm -hmm. know, we get on that treadmill of success and doing Mm -hmm. gigs and stuff. You know, you got to strike while it's hot. You know, it it gave me, it was perfect time for me to take a little bit of a time out. So I'm glad to hear that you're okay. So let's talk about our history. Okay. So um, seven years ago, we starred together in a Christmas movie called So This is Christmas. And Titus played my son, y'all. He was rebellious and getting on my nerves. But he was was still my son that I had to check every once in a while. Do you remember that? Oh, fully. Like, it, it was it was one of those moments for me that I, I was looking and I was like, well, I'll be daggone if this ain't Miss Vivica Fox. Like, <laughs> it was mind-blowing for me because, obviously, I don't know if you remember this. I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't because you were just trying to eat and enjoy your life. But back in the day, even before that, I was working at a P.F. Chang's at the Beverly Center and I was um, hosting. And I remember okay. you would you would come in every once in a while, and uh, you came in, I believe, with Miss J from American Exit Model. Okay, I believe, I believe, yep, um, yes, yep. And then you, I sat you, and I remember thinking, like, man, that is Vivica Fox, and you're literally one of the leads in my favorite movies of all time, Independence Day. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so I sat you down, and I was like, I will work with that woman one day. I don't know how, I don't know when, and then lo and behold, Mama Viv came bursting through the scene. I say, yeah. So see, check this out, darlings. Dreams do come true. Because I'm going to tell you something that is going to blow you away even more. That was P.F. Chang's at the Beverly Center, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about years ago, I used to work at, an, at a restaurant, L.A. Pasta and Pizza, as I was a waitress. Uh-huh. So we both kind of kicked it off uh-huh. at the Beverly Center. Oh, sure. Oh, you were at the Beverly Center area. Working. working. As a waitress. Oh, and back in the yeah. day, it was like Martin used to come by, Chris Rock, and they all were waving me. And I would look at them like, yeah, they working. One day I'm going to be working with them too. Crazy. You know what I yeah. mean? So dreams do come wow. true. Here you were a host. I was a waitress. Mm-hmm. And then we're doing a movie together. And so we did. So this is Christmas. It was me, you, yeah. Eric Roberts. And then I forget who was the other female star. Do you remember her? Uh, Lexi Ainsworth. <laughs> Lexi! Yeah. Oh my God, was mm-hmm. that Lexi? That was little Lexi, yeah. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. do you know that Lexi and I, we do so many films together now for Lifetime, like at least once a year. We do. Oh, really? I, yeah, I produce, you know, a lot of films now for Lifetime. We do like, it's called The So Wrong, It's Right. So the last one that I remember that her and I, Lexi and I did was yeah. The Wrong Cheerleader. 
So, but anyway, so wow, we're all still working together. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. All right, so now let's move on mm-hmm. to you, you rising star. So, <laughs> tell us about the rookie. You just wrapped your second season, correct? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, so we play um, rookie cops. Obviously, um, we're in our our first year. So, over the last two seasons, you you've watched us um, in our first year after the academy. And it's about uh, John Nolan, who's played by Nathan Fillion, and he's essentially um, the most, I'll call it mature, <laughs> um, <laughs> r- rookie. <laughs> he's the most mature rookie. Um, and it's kind of, it follows his story, and we kind of get to complement that, that storyline. But it's an ensemble cast. It, it kind of hops around. They've, they've had us compare it to essentially the, the cop form of Grey's Anatomy, if you will, because they hop around in each personal character's uh, life. And it's about... Um, it's less about the, um, the cases like we see with some cop shows and mm-hmm. it's more about the personal struggles and, and lives of these cops and kind of what they have to hang up at the door when they're clocking in and, you know, dealing with actual life things as a cop. Okay. So let me, let's go back a little bit. The lead mm-hmm. actor on your show is Nathan, Nathan Fillion. He Nathan also Fillion. was on another kind of a uh, buddy cop show before this, right? Yeah, Castle. Mm-hmm. Castle. I knew, because when you, now it's like dawning on me, because, you know, right. your girl's been working a lot, but I catch my TV, you know, <laughs> right. every once in a while. And I said to myself, I said, Nathan, I remember him from Castle. So that's good mm-hmm. to see that they kind of kept him in the same vein. And that's another thing yeah. that people, I want young actors to realize about mm. creating relationships. Now you mm. see from Castle, because evidently the network loved him and loved working with him because Castle was on for a long time because my girlfriend, right. uh, Tamla Jones worked on Castle. Yeah, she sure so did. So that's yeah. why I always try to explain to young actors about creating good relationships that when you work on a show, because you know, how many hours you work 12, 14, they're long hours, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. See, and I know that as an actor because I've also starred, you know, and, and on some series before. And yeah. it's all about good relationships. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. say this to you, my son. When you're Please. there, be professional, have an attitude of gratitude, show up on time because, hey, they might give you your own spinoff show. And you know what? And, and that is those are fantastic words, honestly, because that is exactly what has happened in Nathan's career. Like, we'll ask him what's going on. And he's like, honestly. I just showed up, did the job, enjoyed it, and and created a loving environment. And they keep, they just keep me. You know what I mean? They keep wanting to work with me. So now let's talk about your character, Jackson West. Now, yes. uh, tell me a little bit about him. Yeah, so uh, Jackson West, he was, um, well, he is, he was the top of his class. Um, so he was the book smart guy in the academy. And um, he's son of the commander of internal affairs, which I don't know if you, you know him, but it's my dad. So my <gasps> dad is is uh, played by Michael Beach on the show. And, oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Try to jump in. You know, Michael Beach and I did Soul Food together. I, oh, I know. You know, yeah. I know. Oh, Tell yeah. Mike Beach I said, what's up, boy? I sure will. And you know the thing? <laughs> it's funny because um, – I was like, well, I told Michael, I was like, we might have to try to get Viv up here. I don't know what her quote is. I don't know her schedule is, but my my character's mom ain't been met yet. Just throw it out there. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I'm down for that. You know me, hustling every day, child. So go on and have Viv show up as your mama. That's what I'm saying. Um, okay. But, <laughs> but yeah, so he's a son. Jackson West is the son of the commander of internal affairs, played by Michael Beach. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I kind of, you see Jackson struggle in his arc within season one and kind of tapering off in season two with not only is he dealing with coming to the streets and, and realizing it's not everything it was in the books. Like he, he runs into some real issues. We learned that he has a fear of bullets, which is beyond me. I didn't even know that was an option for a cop to have a fear of bullets, yeah. um, but it's a real thing. And a lot of people panic under the pressure that last minute, you know, um, situation. We see him struggle with that. And then also uh, people uh, trying to suggest that the, the, the job was handed to him because his dad pulled strings. So he's constantly trying to prove himself that he's a cop and he belongs where he is. Did you have to audition for this? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, uh, you know, how it works sometimes. It was a, a, a unique route just because I was testing for, um, it was the same casting office I was testing for uh, The Boys. It was an Amazon show by Seth Rogen called The Boys. And mm-hmm. when when my, my, my fellow brother, Jesse T. Usher, beat me out for that, um, I went over to, um, they were like, hey, well, we have this other role um on this on this cop show we think you'd be great for that would he be interested so i did kind of jump to you know uh, not the chemistry the screen test but um still audition nonetheless you know what i mean yes how many times did mm-hmm. you, you have to do the whole like three callbacks then do a camera test and do a chemistry test uh, honestly right but thankfully it was quick this time just because it was the same office and it was it's uh all uh, robert Ulrich and all them and they had cast me in glee and everything so they were already familiar with me so okay. thankfully i only had to do like a quick Two rounder. I did a screen the the studio network test, and then that okay, was yeah. So I just yeah. want to explain that to our listeners out there that you know most of the time when you do get a lead on a series, baby, it is a process. Like I yeah. had to audition like five or six times, and it's right. like you keep calling back and like goes from like twenty people down to ten, down to five, down to three, and then right. you know you finally get it. So it's a process. So I'm so happy for you. Yes, thank you. See, once again, yeah. having those good relationships that you establish. With Glee paid off, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, also, also your character, Jackson West, is gay, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, a black gay cop is not often, you know, in prime time. So how did did you feel when you found out that that would be an aspect of the character as well? Yeah. So there's, um, there's a few layers to this that I'll speed through. First off, it was already tricky. If I'm being 100% honest, it was one of them things where I was like, do I want to portray a cop? That was my first thing. It, okay. it was obviously due to the climate. This is pre what we're seeing now. Obviously, mm-hmm. this is what, two, three years ago when we first started filming. So it's like, I was still at that divide of like, all right, I know what's going on with um, just within my own community and, and cops. Do I want to portray a cop? So that was the first hurdle. So then after after crossing that and being like, okay, maybe there's something I can learn here. Maybe this is at my doorstep for me to open my heart in some way. Um, so I took that on. And then they also let me know, um, hey, we do want to make one of the characters um, gay. We don't know if it's going to be the, uh, the girl character or your character, but just want to make sure you're comfortable with it in case it does fall that way. And I was like, yeah, everybody's story deserves to be told. You know, I'm, I'm happy that we're kind of uh, reflecting what life actually looks like a little bit more. It's not a bunch of, you know, crisp uh, Caucasian cops. It's like they're, they're at different ethnicities. They're different sexual orientations. All of this exists within a universe that we like to depict as like kind of uh, one way, if you, if you will. But um, yeah, so that was one of those things that I, I kind of took on knowing it would be kind of a, a difficult talking point at times, yes. but you know, understanding that 
people's story deserves to be uh, deserve to be told. And these characters on the show are based on real life people, which is another point that led me to it because that guy, his name's not Jackson, but that actual black homosexual cop exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, have the honor of kind of telling a little bit of his story. Okay, now quick question. Mm-hmm. As an actor, is yeah. that something that, you know, you had to like say to yourself, like, okay, uh, first of all, I'm going to be playing a cop. And then mm-hmm. also he's gay. Was that something right. that you had to sit down with yourself and like think about? Or you said, you know what, as an actor, I'm going to surrender. Because years ago, my acting coach told me this when I would start judging a character. She's like, Vivica, you're an actor. Don't judge the character. If you want to do this, you have to become the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you how do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, once again, if I'm being super transparent, it was I I did definitely mentally pass on it like twice you did wow i did i did i mean not like sending emails like no and then they came back to me none of that it was more just like okay i have to let them know by this date if i'm interested in moving on and i i checked out a couple times because there's you know there's a lot of because when you're doing a show for those people, obviously, you know this, but for people that don't, when you're doing a show, it's a commitment. It's like, do I want to tell this story for potentially the next eight years? Do you know what I mean? Mm, it's yeah. not like a film. It's like where I can like tell the story, pop off of it, jump to another character. And it's kind of like a, a fun artistic moment. It's, it's a commitment. So that's more so what I was warned with is how long do I want to tell a story? Not knowing where it's going, because I don't know how intense you're going to write. Like, I don't have a problem playing a gay character. I, but you know, I do have my own boundaries for, you know, what you you might have me do within yes. that storyline. Mm-hmm. And with, you know, after um, season three or four, I don't know what you guys might, you know, kind of welcome to the character. And it's kind of hard to take that leap of faith and, and trust the writers before I even really know them. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. Now, can I ask you this? Playing a police officer, has it changed the way you view law enforcement, especially with the recent things that, you know, have been happening? I mean, it's like our being a cop just like changed, you know, especially the bad cops. Right. Um, You know, before uh, all of this was going down, I mean, obviously within our community, we know it was going on long forever. Mm -hmm. Right. But um, as far as I guess on a public scale, um, before this, yes, it did open my eyes in a positive way because, like I said, I almost didn't want to play a cop myself because of my own opinions on them. Yes. Um, so it did teach me um, a lot about kind of last minute decision making, mm-hmm. how tricky, like even some of the storylines that we, 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 we uh, deal with on the show. I, I will read and we'll be acting out and I'll look at the cops on set because we, you know, we have our advisors that are always right. There. And I'll look over and I'm like, I can never do this. Like, that's like, look, facing off with somebody pointing a gun back at me. I'm like, what do you do? Like yes. my natural reaction as Titus is I'm going to get up out of there. Like I ain't running towards <laughs> nobody's bullets. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Well, you're like, well, I had that in common with the character that I'm not, I'm, I got, I got a little phobia look. when it comes to them bullets. Exactly. Somebody asked me that. It was like, is it hard, you know, acting afraid as a cop to be? I was like, absolutely not. You okay. hear a bullet, you duck. <laughs> now, can I ask you this? What training yeah. did you have to go through? Because when I, I did, a, I played, I played cop several times. I played a yeah. under, under 
cover undercover detective for a series called Missing. But to be very yeah. honest with you, I dug it at the time. It was before yeah. the whole police brutality and all that stuff came uh, came up. You know, I, I loved wearing the bulletproof vest, you know, and then I did training at the FBI off of Wilshire. What training did you go through? Yeah, so they put us through a little um, uh, speed academy um, at the beginning of each season. We do it. We go back, refresh our minds about clearing the room, and we go to the shooting range, and we, um, you know, deal with all the all the things handcuff related, tasing, mm-hmm. yep. all the things. They put us through a nice little refresher at the beginning of each season. Well, and then, what did you think of that process? Because I can remember this when I went to the FBI thing. They had like this room, and it was kind of like uh, like three D. Like you would have the gun, and you were like shooting, and then somebody would pop up, and you would see, like you said, the split decision moments that policemen mm-hmm. are really put did you go through that as well too no they invited us to that we had, no i haven't done it oh yet, you should have went oh my god let me tell you i flunked the first time i was messing up <laughs> i was like i would have been a goner I, I didn't see it and it was like i did it late like but i if you if they let you go through it the next time go through it i swear you'll probably do good now because you this is your second season but oh, i had no. never experienced that before and yeah. it was so trippy to me. I was like, oh, my God, this is what they really go through. So, right. you know, kudos to the good policemen that are exactly. out there and that are, you know, doing good things for the community. And I just want to share just a quick story with you that I saw last night. I saw where this one policewoman, uh, it was on uh, on the Internet, and she walked up to this little African-American girl that was like nine years old and she busted into tears. And what I loved more than anything else was that it affected the policewoman. And she took the time and she said, I'm so sorry that you're afraid of me. And she said, but I want you to know that I'm here. I'm all cops. All policemen are not bad people. And it really touched my heart. And I think that that's what because of everything with the George Floyd death, that that's what we really need to do is we need to. The, the policemen and they need a makeover the, the, the you know, how they're yeah. managing our communities. This is my opinion out right now. Yeah. Folks. I just want to mm-hmm. share this, that we need to reconnect that that fear. We understand there are people that break the law, but not everybody, you know, especially when you get pulled over as an African-American should be in fear of losing their life. Right. And, you know, I just want to know, especially you being an African-American man. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know about you, but like, if ever I get pulled over, it's kind of like, I'm like, do the right thing, you know, Oh, 100%. with the recent uprising and everything that's going on. What suggestions would you have to improve the relationship between the community and the cops? Yeah, um, this is this, it's interesting, you know, dealing with cops uh, more so now with the show, because we've been able to talk with them. Like one of our um, writers is a cop, African-American cop right now. and. Um, it, it was cool talking with him because he views a lot of things the same. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he's very much on the same, on the same side. He's like, yeah, he was like, of course I'm a black cop myself. I want justice as well. And I want us to improve within our own community of cops. Um, and I honestly think there's a, there's a few things. One, <laughs> I think it, it, it's, it's, it's deeper than just, throwing some money at it and, and, and kind of, uh, narrowing down selection. I think that's a huge factor, like, mm-hmm. you know, having better training, uh, maybe longer training, and, exactly. and some, you know, some mental exams, seeing where people really stand with stuff. 
But even within that, people can lie. People become really good at dodging things. And, you know, but deeper than that, it comes down to from childhood. I'm like, we need to get, in my opinion, get in these education systems. Like, it's a shame that we aren't taught things in school. Like we have our little Black History Month and they teach us about Rosa Parks and and Martin Luther King, and we kind of have our highlights, but some of the systemic things that we we know to be true, people never learn about. And it's like, why why is that not implemented into, into the, the school system? Like, it exists. I agree with you 100% that we now, you know, because I'm going to tell you, when I went to school years ago, Black history was like a little paragraph. Like, it was like, exactly. oh, Muhammad Ali, uh, a couple of famous people, we didn't get right. to know our history and our story. And right. I think that that's something going forward that, like, we all need to get to know each other better and appreciate yeah. each other's differences and know mm-hmm. that it's okay for us to be different, to live in this world that's evolving on a continuous basis every day. The young children nowadays, they don't really see racism because they're raised amongst each other. It's the other people that it's like, we all need to learn each other's history and appreciate and understand each other better. And I think that's what would make the world a better place. And then when it comes to policemen, I think before they put them in communities that the people that they're not used to dealing with them, that their training needs to be longer so that they can understand things and not always think, oh, when I pull over a black person or a brown person, that it's going to be bad. And the brown person also won't be in fear for their life to end. You know, it's such a a world issue, even outside of policing, because we see it. And I have told people this. We see it even in the restaurant, um, in hospitality services, like when people walk in through the door, we have this like and I say we being mankind, because I've seen all ethnicities do this and trying to judge people based on the color of their skin, if they're going to tip or not. And we see it even there where it's like, what is this deep rooted thing? Like, what makes you think that the black family, don't sit me with the black family, they they won't tip. Don't sit me with the foreigner, they won't tip. But mm-hmm. see, I'm like, you've had, you've had just as many Caucasian tables not tip. Like, okay. I don't understand what the, where the logic is here, like, what is that that's ingrained in us? And obviously we know it's systemic racism has kind of already been built into the system, but yeah. uh, there's a well, lot I, of- I know, yeah. we, we all have just yeah. got to learn to appreciate each other better and not judge a book by its cover. Because I'm gonna be very honest with you, I've experienced that when I go into like higher end places and I never go in as Vivica Fox. I always go in with my little baseball cap on, no makeup on, just to see <laughs> if they don't think that my wallet can handle the purchase, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And it's always that one that walks over, hi, can I help you? But then afterwards they'll go, oh my God, are you Vivica Fox? That's why I want to pass on to people. Stop judging books by its cover. Go yes. inside. There's much more to learn about people mm-hmm. of all nationalities. Don't judge a book by its cover. We gonna move on. Yep. Okay, we didn't got deep. <laughs> yep. we got deep about them. <laughs> we got deep. Yes, we, we got deep on them. But we just all, it, the world needs to become a better place and we all need to unite instead of separating. I have an old saying going that's that says united we stand, divided we fall. And there's been a lot of division that's been happening lately, um, especially with the new president they get that thing they got in the White House, but we ain't gonna go there. So anyway, let's talk about your career. Let's talk about how you right. built your career. Okay. All yes. right. Look, look, we can, we can we can really start, you know. Ooh, don't get right. me started. Don't, don't get me started. Okay. So anyway, let's talk about how you built your career because you know, you just didn't walk in and audition and then, you know, now be on the show, The Rookie, working with Mike Beach and all these great people. You started studying at the New York Conservatory Conservatory for Dramatic Arts. 
You also worked as a New York Knicks acrobat and a New York Liberty dancer, correct? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Tell me about that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was one of those things where I hadn't decided. It's so crazy because I'm about to connect you and it's anyway it's funny um I hadn't decided to act until my senior year of high school and Mm. it was it was one of those things where I had quite honestly my sister was doing it um in college and I was like "Mm, it kind of looks fun okay but then I had seen Fresh Prince and I was like okay I can I see that like that looks fun and then um I kind of took this leap uh looking for a school to go to audition for the school that I found online um and uh it was the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts so that was my first year ever trying to do anything, like learning any te- technical things about acting, mm. being in front of a camera at all, like everything was super fresh. And so I had only come from a background of gymnastics. I was a gymnast for nine years. Um, really? And I had quit. Yeah, yeah. I had quit right before uh, qualifying for Junior Olympics. So it was like I was taking it very seriously. And um I, I left because I, I wanted to pursue entertainment. And um, there I go off to New York. And um, <laughs> the only job that I could find that paid what was helpful to me at the time was at Madison Square Garden for the Knicks. It was in uh, Backstage Magazine. Back in the day, you would get you know, them auditions and whatever opportunities in Backstage. And um, yeah, and I went, got it. And that's where I worked for two years. And it was a blast. It was one of my favorite jobs outside of acting. Oh, so wait a minute. So what kind of mm-hmm. uh, 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 things did y'all do? For the, you perform like during halftime? Yeah. So halftime, uh, halftime shows, timeouts, we would switch in and out with um, the Nick City dancers. So they would do some timeouts and then we would switch to us. And we would literally just tumble back and forth across the court. I remember like as early, what was I, 17, 18 at the time. And I know Anthony Anderson and Spike Lee <laughs> would, uh, would always be there front row center and you know anthony would always be very uh, uh funny and trying to like do flips with us and stuff and all those fun memories with that um oh. but um yeah that, that was it it was cool because i got to have all my friends i had free tickets to every home game so front row seat <laughs> look all my little classmates was like yo t can i get yo you got some tickets this week <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> they don't know how much the front row tickets cost okay oh, right right yeah. and then also you dance the new york liberty because you know i am a proud sponsor of the la sparks and a huge supporter of oh. the wnba Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, my cool, gosh, cool. yeah. My hair collection, the Vivica Fox hair collection is sponsored yeah. the L.A. Sparks for the past five seasons. Oh, come on now. Right. Oh, yeah, I believe, you know, we got to support our women, support those girls. Those girls can hoop. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where I also, for whatever reason, I had I have a dance background, too. I, I don't know. I was doing everything. I don't know what I was trying to do. But um, I had a dance life. background, too. Life, right. Hello. Um, hustling. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I danced as well. And I was a child dancer. Um, like I was with clear talent group when I was like in middle school. And I remember one of my goals then I was just trying to be in a Missy Elliott video. You know, she always said <laughs> kid dancer. And I was like, I'm gonna make it. Um, and it finally paid off uh, during the summers on the off seasons of the NBA. Obviously, the WNBA started up and they were like, yo, we know you dance and tumble. Would you be interested in doing this? I said, sure. And I made the team and we would do the same thing, perform at the timeouts and halftime shows for the um, New York Liberty. So now let's talk about your family a little bit. You are a PK. I am. Yes. Come on, somebody. To, to all of our people out there, PK stands for pastor kid. So your mm-hmm. father 
was in the military and was oh. a pastor. I that's mean, fine. wow, that's kind of tough. <laughs> okay, you had you- military and then the Lord put on you, brother. <laughs> Look, and the funny thing is, he is the nicest, easygoing. Like people ask me all the time, like, was he strict in your household? I mean, he had rules and boundaries like that only benefited me. But to this day, like they're like, well, how does he deal with you know the characters you play and all this stuff? And I was like, interestingly enough, he is front row and center. Like he go, boy, you better go get your check. That's what I know. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> he said, you got to do what you got to do. And if you're going to do it, you better be the best one doing it. And that's literally how he views it. Did your father have a church? Um, So he preached at a church. He didn't okay. have his own church, but mm-hmm. he was um one of the operating pastors at a church in Arizona for a long time. Okay. Well, my mom was is very religious. We grew up across the street from the church. So every time the church was open, oh my God. Whether it was like <laughs> vacational Bible study, Bible study, uh, 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 choir rehearsal, yep. whatever it was, we were always in church. And so when I first yeah. started acting and I had to do like grittier, darker roles, I would be so scared to call my mama and be like, so uh, I yeah. got this movie called, coming out called Set It Off. And, uh, then I got this other one coming out called Booty Call. Booty uh, Call. You know? <laughs> so it would that be hard to tell her that. But you know what, my mother, she goes, Angie, that's my nickname. Uh, you know, your mom's lived a little bit. You know, I might not care for all of that, but I realize that you are acting. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that your father was front row and center supporting, you know, all, yeah. all of the things that you've done. Yeah, it was very much the same thing. Like, obviously... If we being 100% honest, we know he has his preferences as to which roles I should play. And he'd be like, oh, you going you gonna to do what now? I'm right. like, you know, just, I might, you know, I'll tell you when that episode's coming up so you ain't got to, you know, keep, you can keep your eyes squint. Right. Uh, but um, he's, he's very supportive and he understands it's a character. I get it. So what did your parents teach you about hustling? Man, everything. I mean, they are ultimate hustlers themselves. Like, I got to witness it from you know, kind of the, this is unfortunate that this is kind of a a typical African-American story, but uh, from little apartments to their dream house, they retired. And now like, I got to watch what that looked like Mm. to put in the work and, and, and achieve goals and, you know, and be humble and loving during the journey, like showing how much just because you killing it don't mean you got to be a butthole. You know what I mean? Like they, they showed me all of that, all of that. I, I love that your parents instill great morals. That is why you are being successful, you know, making your parents proud. So now let's talk about something else, you know, making your parents proud. In 2010, yeah. you landed your breakout role on Glee, playing mm. David, mm-hmm. <laughs> a member of the Wobblers. The oh, Warblers, Warblers yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know my dad says it the same way. He's a Wobblers. <laughs> Tell me about that whole experience. What was it like? I mean, Glee was huge. Man, that was one of the things. It was my first speaking role ever. Um, I had only been a background dancer on some Nickelodeon shows when I first got here. But look, that show had already done season one. I already watched the success of it. And I remember I I finally got some rep. This was back in maybe, what, 2009. Mm -hmm. And... I was like, all right. And she was and my, I kid you not. My manager was like, so how do you see yourself? What type of characters, what kind of roles, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what? I'm a singer. I'm a dancer. That'd be cool if I could kind of put it all together. I was like, you know, I, I watched Glee. That'd be cool if, if a show like that, if you saw an audition for that. I kid you not when I say my first audition with that manager that I still have to this day was Glee. And she sent it over and she said, they want to see you today. <gasps> 
And mind you, this is my first speaking role. So I was like, you know, I have my training because, you know, I come from school in New York, but Mm -hmm. it was still like the first time at this caliber because, you know, the show was crazy successful at the time. Anyway, so I I go to this audition. I obviously learned the line that it was the same day audition and uh, they wanted me to sing two songs and do these two things. And I say, okay. so I get there. You can hear through the wall, super thin wall. You can hear everybody blowing like vocals out the out. It is crazy. And it was Mm -hmm. so annoying because it's one of those things that that intimidates you and you try to act like it's not happening. But yeah, (laughs) you can hear all these Broadway stars like coming in and out of that room, just killing it. Anyway. Right. I go in there and I said, look, y'all, I literally said this. And the thing about me is I've always been super, I don't know what you're going to call it. Like a a real, a a realist of some sort where it's like, look, you're a human. I'm a human. I ain't got nothing to show you, but what I got. So I'm not going to act like I'm this like, Broadway star, like this is who I am. This is just regular old Titus. Okay. I'm not gonna sound look, I'm not I literally told us like I'm not gonna sound like that, but <laughs> I do. I was like, but I do have my own sound and I'm gonna do what I can do. So anyway, so they were laughing and then I and I you know I did my my song. I think I sang a Neo song from back in the day. Uh, okay. Hey, yeah, I love Neo. Okay. Look, I can carry about four notes. That's all I'm gonna give you, Titus. Okay, <laughs> you, so get over there. Give me about four. That's all I know. Du, 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 du. Yeah. yeah, come on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it ended up working out. It was awesome, and they were. It was thankfully it played to you know my favor. God, come on, God had my back when He was like, "Look, they were looking for people to just be raw talent. They weren't exactly. looking for refined, you know." perfection um so it worked it worked out really well they wanted somebody that was raw real Mm -hmm. that they could groom i mean and this is something i want to pass on to other actors as well too um that when you are going to audition because i had to learn because you're right when you go and audition those walls are thin don't Uh listen to the other person i used to go sign in and then i would go and i'd say hey if you want me i'm here Uh, at the other end of the hall, or sometimes I would go outside because sometimes that gets in your head. So the other actors never sit and listen to other people audition. Just don't do it because it gets in your head and it makes you start judging yourself. So I just want to pass that, pass that on to um, people as well. You you guys went on tour. We did. We did a little summer tour. It was awesome. Play the biggest doggone stadiums, not stadiums. uh, What's some things called? Um, you know, arenas, that's what I call Big old, The biggest arenas in the world sold out every night. It was crazy. The wow. fandom of Glee was crazy. So that was Glee Live, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. So y'all go, like, what, what, how big were the arenas? Was it like 50,000, 20,000? What, what was the audience size? I don't remember the numbers. because. But it was big. Yeah. <laughs> it was big. And it was, a, it was the same year, unfortunately, that Michael Jackson uh, was supposed to be there on that This Is It tour. And I remember we sold out the O2 Arena in London the night he was supposed to perform there. Obviously, he wasn't able to, do, you know. And then oh um, we took over that. Yeah, we took over that night and sold out that same arena. So think about those size arenas. That's what we were playing. That's okay, playing. okay. Y'all had, y'all had a big, y'all had some more rock star uh, kind of audiences going on. Mm-hmm. Was that scary was for you? I mean, because now you're going from, from, performing on the floor at the New York Licks and the Liberty and this and the third to now you're on stage. You know what I mean? Doing a whole show. Like, 
wow. Yeah. It's one of the things that you don't, you sit back afterwards and you like, wait, oh, now I feel it. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was mm-hmm. just happening. Like you kept moving and you got it. You got to do it. Like this is, this is your contract. This is what you signed up for. It keeps moving and you just do it. And then later on, you're like, whoa, we were performing in arenas. Yeah. yeah. Like, and now I'm kind of, you kind of end up chasing it again where you're like, yo, oh. that feeling was so fantastic. Like you just fuel off of that energy. So can I ask you, do you put like performing live or, cause I get asked this all the time. Do you prefer doing like theater or do you like doing movies and television? What's your preference? Right. Um, honestly on the, on the music spectrum live, I love performing my music live. That's mm-hmm. like where I live. That's where I, it, it, it surges through me on the acting side. I prefer film and, ah. and maybe this is because I haven't done as much film as I would like it because I've, you know, been blessed to be able to, you know, be kind of more so stuck on the TV side. But um, I, I just like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you like about making film, a movie. Like making a movie. And it, and it's faster. I like telling different stories, like the turnaround. You know what I mean? Like, let's get in and out. Let's, let's yes. get it done and Agreed. enjoy the process. And then you yeah. get to be go and do another new character. Whereas when you do a television series, it's like, okay, I might be doing this for the next six years. Exactly. Right. So moving on, Mr. Triple Threat. Okay. (laughs) We done talked about you acting. We done talked about you dancing. Now you've got your own musical. Yeah. Okay. So you are a singer, songwriter, and releasing music as Butterfly Ali. Now that's a different kind of name, brother. (laughs) <laughs> now if I was yeah. somebody who should play me something for Butterfly Ali I would never make the connection to Titus Macon why exactly my point yep. okay well come on well tell us about it how'd you come up with such first of all a different kind of name and why did you come up with that name yes so I was releasing music under Titus Macon for a while um, just independently and um, I didn't like that I personally felt bound to the image of Titus Megan based on what my established fans, if you will, um, knew of me with the acting world. So my personal music is, is soul funk and I, and I like to, you know, kind of shine a light on my actual personality. But when you see me playing a, a cop or um, whoever else, other characters I've played, it was a hard um, connection for people to make, um, mm. you know, because they, you know, they see me as tight as making the actor, and then I come out with this like funky stuff, and they're like, "Oh, well, okay, well, we we love your show," and they don't really know where to place it for them. Anyway, gotcha. so I was writing a song um, called it was the song was called Butterfly Ali because in the song I had a quote uh, from Muhammad Ali that said, "Flow like a butterfly, sting like a bee," mm-hmm. um, and I literally was like, "Oh, I like that," and I was like, "I, I kind of feel like that is." Kind of the, uh, a quote that 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 kind of drives me it, it speaks a lot for who i am as a person it's like like i said like you can be a boss without being a butthole it's like flow like a butterfly sting like you can be beautiful and you can be courageous and then get in there and get that job done get that little check get that cake and bounce up out of there with some love um so i took that and i was like okay well if i'm releasing this new music I think I want to do it under a name that I choose and I kind of like I'm birthing new music. I get to birth this new branding Mm -hmm. or artist, if you will. And I don't view it as a, um, 
um, alter ego or anything like that. It's more so just an artistic expression of my music, like the uh, how I would name my artistry. Um, okay. And and it just lets me breathe in it, and I just like what it stands for. Um, so I put the names together. So I took the butterfly because I love the imagery of that because mm-hmm. it's something that um, is kind of androgynous and people like to depict as a, a, a female thing, but people forget that obviously there's male butterflies. Exactly. And, um, <laughs> and they defend <laughs> beautifully, right. With their beauty, they defend. And as a Christian, I'm like, we can be beautiful and still be strong. And then couple that with the quote from Muhammad Ali, put them both together, equal butterfly Ali. And that's and who you boom. are now talking to. <laughs> I know that's right, Butterfly Ali. So what's your musical <laughs> style? Describe it. Yeah, so um, I guess for, for anybody who hasn't heard it, we like to, in these label meetings, we've been been saying uh, um, if you were to take Andre 3000 and a little bit of Marvin Gaye, there's like a soul Ooh. funk thing. And um, I'm a little bit a little bit left artistically. That's why we kind of throw in Andre 3000 because I like to be creative and play with kind of colors and 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 fashion and stuff in a in a very CeeLo Green, Pharrell, Andre 3000 world, Janelle Monet, all of them. Very those are good comparisons. Um and then the 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 heart of it, um the the soul of it all was always um Mar- Marvin Gaye was always one of my biggest inspirations. So yeah. Oh I love Marvin Gaye. You know what I mean? Yeah. That whole like I love that whole swagger, like just like yeah. just cool with it. You know what I mean? Just nowadays cool. they like screaming at you and, and and some of the music you're like, okay, I don't know what he rapping, but the beat is happening. So right. I miss like R and B. I miss songs that feel you that you feel all the way down to your soul. I really do. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of Same. liking beats. So who who's influenced you as a musical artist? Um, I've so many, so many. Um, I grew up with oldies so it's like i i only i genuinely only knew oldies because that's all my parents would play and uh this is where that pk came into came into action real strong i wasn't allowed to listen to you know lil wayne and all that that i wanted to um they would keep that uh that oldie station on but it honestly molded my ear so any artist from al green to the temptations to anita baker to in any of them that that era of music that soul that um that that rhythm all all those things really shaped who i am now and the type of music i like to make how many songs have you done so under butterfly Lee, i've only released publicly three we only have three out right now mm-hmm. because um we're, we we wanted to release some songs get the get my audience familiar with this this new you know name that i even uh took under um uh, so that's that but we're waiting because now, you know, we're in the, the phases of label talk and all that stuff. And we'll, we're going to be releasing stuff once all that's settled. So if folks want to find Butterfly Ali's music, where can we find you at, Titus? Yes. Uh, Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, um, iTunes, all of it. It's out there. Just type in Butterfly Space Ali. And uh, yeah. All of my jams will be out there for you to tune into. So can we expect a full-length album from Butterfly Ali? Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. And honestly, this has been a good time. I mean, obviously sad time, but a good time as far as uh, away from work and things that I've been able to really settle into uh, new topics to write about, uh, 
there's there's a lot of music coming. It's, it's, I've been very inspired to to create a lot of really cool things during this time. Can you play any instruments? I actually, it doesn't really benefit me on the- I, I love uh, the way you said that. You said, well, actually. <laughs> what, what you play, bro? What you play? I grew up playing the alto saxophone, but I don't really help in the studio. You know what I mean? Unless oh. I'm tracking a saxophone lick. You know um, what? That might but, be fly. You should think about it, that. To play like the saxophone and then do something smooth with that. That would be so refreshing. I'm serious. You might, I might have to cut you a percentage because that's okay. You yeah. Know, that's a good idea. Because Lizzo like, does it with the flute. Yes. I mean, think about that. Lizzo like blew up with the flute and then she put some twerking with it as well too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Are you yeah, good? So I mean, that might be that because I mean we've never seen there's one guy that I saw, um, and he did something with the violin and he kind of redid some song, some songs and and did the violin with it. That uh, to me it was so sexy. So you might yeah. be on something to butterfly Ali with the saxophone, and then you, might, you know I might have to let go dust it off. Okay. You might be on the song. <laughs> you heard okay. it here first with Vivica. So Titus. <laughs> What do you hope to see yourself five years from now, darling? Wow. Um, in a position of, <laughs> I was going to be funny, in a position of power. That's not what I was, no. Um, hey, ain't a, nothing wrong with it. But look, uh, but it, the, in the, the healthiest way, I aspire to be in a position on the career front uh, where I am, my craft is respected. I, I think the, the best place an artist can be, whether you're a musician or an actor, is you ain't got to be winning all the awards. But if your craft is respected, you get to have a say. You get to be part of the conversation as to what stories you're telling, um, what your, you know, what what message you have on your platform, just in a, in a personal sense. And and that's what I really aspire for is to be in a position to where I don't feel like you know, I'm still fairly new in this industry in, in comparison to tons of people that I look up to. Um, and I and I look forward to being in a position to where I don't have to, uh, quote unquote, prove myself any longer. Do you know what I mean? See, I wanted you to be like, well, listen here, I plan on winning a couple of Golden Globes for the rookie. <laughs> and then I want to be on stage and perform as Butterfly Ali for the uh, for the for the entertainment on the show. And it's just be a whole night saluting tight it's making <laughs> that tight you know, has made it <laughs> and those are those are goals that i feel like come along with that uh platform if i'm in a place where my craft is respected i feel like yourself and people like you know janelle monet like all these people are in these beautiful positions to where they are respected for their music for their acting and they get to switch back and forth in all these different realms as you get to do like with your haircut line and in politics yes. and all these places yes. that it's like your name you've like established your name that's where i aspire to be in five years you okay, know what i mean so now i want to ask you a couple of things okay dream actor what dream who do you dream of acting alongside Ooh, um well, dang, more Vivica Fox. That's I know that's right. right. I can play your mama uh, and the rookie. Come, We've already casted me, okay? Look, you think I'm playing. <laughs> that, don't be shocked if your agents get a pitch next year. <laughs> um, but um, also, I'm obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with Chiwetel Ejiofor. I love yes. him as an actor. I love his roles. I aspire to play his roles, to be 100% with you. Like anything from 12 Years a Slave to doggone... Uh, you know, his, the, what's it called? The Marvel movies. He's been a part, anything like, yes, he's, he's awesome. 
he's fantastic to me. So him, I mean, and obviously I feel like it's almost every young African-American male's <laughs> goal to act alongside Will Smith in some facet with, you know, ticked off yes. beautifully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah. Those are okay. Probably- now how about for music? Who is, who would you love to do some music with? Oh, wait, wait. Side note. Uh, not side note. Uh, Uh-oh, he's like, take it back. Take it back. Yeah, hold on, take it back. Because I've always wanted to work with Kimberly Elise. I think she's phenomenal. And I oh. think she's, yeah. I feel yeah, like you know, I with, did set it off with her. So. Yes, yeah. I know you don't work with everybody. And I'm like, dang, hey. dude, come on now. <laughs> um, but Kimberly Elise, man, I just think she's phenomenal. I don't know how that would work, but boom. Um, but yes, music side, uh, I really, really, really want to do a full album with Pharrell. Like, I want him to produce Ooh. it. I love his ear. I love how eclectic he is. Like, I mm-hmm. love all of it. Um, That's excellent him. for you. Yeah, you see, right? Yes. Like, I feel like you'd bring, like, him with that freedom kind of sound. That song, he yep. has a song called Freedom. And that, that, like, that, that whole, it's like a, um, I call it, for lack of a better example, like a slave soul kind of sound. I yes. love it. Like, it's like rooted in, in the South. Okay, so let me pass on some advice to you. I think you should dust off that saxophone. Come Think on. about something, as you just called it, that soulful thing, and send that yeah. to Pharrell. Because that will be different. And he's always looking for stuff that's fresh and new. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm telling you, if I play this scene in that work, that's all I want is a dedication. I want to be in the speech. When you get up there getting the watch, you see like, you know, my girl, Biblical Fox, inspire me. <laughs> <laughs> look straight up though i'm oh, telling God. you credit credit where credit's due oh, I, and then can i take you back a little side? i won't be selfish with you that in case <laughs> i'm not available kimberly at least can play your mom on the rookie you know what you're right about that but i'm, okay. I'm definitely pitching i'm definitely going Come for Vivica first, first. <laughs> but i'm just saying but you know i wouldn't yeah. be selfish because when i'm telling you she can she shows up and shows out and yeah. she would she would take you to different levels i'm telling you she really would yeah, I yeah. love it. All right. So now let's move it on before we have to wrap things up. Come on. Yeah. My podcast is called Hustling. Titus, where do you get your hustle from? God. I mean, I know that seems like a cliche answer, but mm. I'm like, I need, like, there, there is no human that <laughs> has uh, kind of permitted me the resilience that um, I've, I've had to have in life other than my relationship with God and, 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 and the, the strength that I get there. Um, and, you know, through God, my dad has been a fantastic example of that. So mm-hmm. that combination, honestly, uh, there, ain't, there ain't nothing that's going to shock me that I'm not prepared for because I know I'm only going to be where I'm supposed to be. And you know something? You've learned about God through your father. So that's, right. yeah. Okay, what drives you, Titus? Um, having, um, this kind of ties back to what I was saying about, uh, a respected career, having a platform to inspire people and encourage people. I really feel like that's my quote unquote calling, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, is to let people know they're not alone. I'm not ashamed to identify with people that, that I, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, people on a platform that don't want to be uh, misunderstood or like, oh, if I say that, people are going to view me like this. Like, no, I've done X, Y, and Z as well. You're not alone in whatever that is. I just really want to be a voice that, you know, little kids at home can be like, oh, I thought that was just me, whatever that is. You know what I mean? Like just people more 
willing to talk about struggles, life struggles. That's what drives me. It's getting to a place that I can be on a, a platform to do that. Well, I'm going to tell you this in coming to a close in our wonderful, wonderful interview that we've, I've gotten to know you a lot better today is that never yeah. let someone put you inside a box, Titus. Wow. Um, that's something that me as an actor, how I've been able to have a career that's been full of different opportunities is because I never let anyone put me inside of a box. It's great that you're a triple threat, that you can sing, you can act, you can dance, and that you think outside of the box because people, because of your color, because of characters that you may play that they want to stereotype you and put you inside of a box. Never let them do that to you. You promise me that? Yeah, 100%. Yes, that's fantastic advice. And I fully agree with it. Yeah. Never let anyone put you inside of a box. Always bust out of the box. Never let anyone tell you that you can only do this, that you can only you can do whatever you want, as long as you do the work and apply yourself. I really believe that. Amen. Yeah. I feel, yeah. Thank you. All righty. Well, that leads us to today's hustle hack. Today's hustle hack is hashtag outside the box. Whether it's the style of his music or the variety of the characters that he plays, Titus refuses to be put in anyone's box. It's fitting that his stage name is Butterfly Ali because Muhammad Ali also refused to be put in a box. In my career, I've fought hard as well not to be put in a box. That's why your girl is a producer, an author, an actress, a philanthropist. I've started my own businesses, the Vivica Fox Hair Collection, despite criticism, and I proved all of my critics wrong because I learned to think outside the box. So, darlings, when it comes to your career, you have to know your gifts and believe in your gifts. Don't let anyone tell you you can't be all you can be. You hear me? All right. So. When it comes to the issues facing our societies, issues like racism and equality, we have to learn to think outside the box. I want to thank my fabulous guest, triple threat, singer, actor, all around handsome <laughs> dude, Titus Macon, for being on Hustling with Vivica A. Fox podcast. Titus, where can we find you at? Yes, thank you for having me. You guys can find me everywhere, Instagram, even TikTok, all the above, at Titus Macon. And uh, on Spotify, Butterfly Ali. Butterfly Ali. I love it. So, y'all, you know you can follow your girl at Miss Vivica Fox on Twitter and at Miss V Fox on Instagram. I'm verified. And for the podcast, at Vivica Hustling. So, darlings, subscribe, download, and listen to Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. Until next time, darlings, bye for now. Mwah.